0: Follow me into a library in Israel. or going into a room that is closed to the public, to a separate area where only a few people have ever visited. We're going to look at a book that has been handled by only a few dozen people. This book was bought at an auction in the 1950s and it is written in numerical code. It took mathematicians a few years to break the code and then translate the book so it could be read. The book was written by perhaps the greatest mathematician in history. The mathematicians, historians, and scientists who were eager to read the book were expecting to find mysteries of the world. But what they found were writings about biblical prophecy. The mathematician who wrote them had studied the prophecies of Daniel, Ezekiel, and Revelation, and using math, had calculated the year the world would end. Today we're going to tell his story. Last week we told the story of Galileo. The year Galileo died is the year our mathematician and scientist was born. Although today his name is said with reverence, awe, and respect, this is not how he was seen growing up. Hannah and Isaac were a young married couple waiting for the birth of their first child. In October, Isaac tragically died, leaving young Hannah a pregnant widow. To make things even more tragic, Hannah went into labor early on Christmas Day, the 25th of December, 1642. She gave birth to a very small, very sick baby. It was assumed by everyone the baby would not survive, and she named him Isaac after his father. She then waited for him to die, but the little baby fought for his life, and with each passing day, hope grew that the baby would live. He did live, which was rare for premature babies born in 1642, But he was small and sickly. Hannah wondered what her life would be like, a single mom with a sick baby, a little boy that would probably never be of any use. After a few years, a young pastor named Reverend Barnabas Smith asked Hannah to be his wife. One thing, he didn't want to raise another man's son, especially not one that was sickly and weak. So Hannah took little Isaac and left him to be raised by her mother, Marjorie. Isaac was only three years old, but for his entire life, the memory of his mother and his stepfather leaving him would haunt him. He would never feel good enough and would never open his heart to love. He would strive to prove his worth and would take any criticism at all as rejection, and he would never handle rejection well. Isaac was still able to see his mother and stepfather, and soon they had children of their own. In fact, they had three Mary, Benjamin, and Hannah, but it was always made clear to little Isaac that he was not part of the family. As a small child, Isaac was constantly taking things apart and wanting to know how and why things worked. He loved to read and study, but he was told his life would be working on the family farm. Being a child who was weak and sick often, he was simply not good at farm work. He began to hate his mother and stepfather with a passion, and at one time, threatened to burn down their home with all of them in it and kill all of them. At the age of 12, he was sent to school, the King's College. He learned Greek and Latin and was exceptionally smart. He was not, however, able to connect with the other children. He was smaller than them and not athletic, and smarter than even the teachers at the college. He never seemed to have the ability to connect with other people. Some people have looked back at his life and believe that he may have had autism, It would make sense as he was able to see numbers and patterns everywhere he went, but was unable to connect with other people. Others say it was the pain and rejection he felt in the first years of his life that caused trauma. Either way, he was bullied at school, especially by one particular student. During these early years, England experienced a civil war, a royal beheading, and a new king on the throne. There were clashes between the Puritans and the church, and many Puritans had fled the country, moving to Dutch areas. So in general, it was a hard time to grow up, and adding in the family structure, the predetermined destiny to run a farm, the failure at everything involving farming, you can understand that as Isaac entered the teenage years, he had many emotional problems. Then his stepfather died. His mother then made him drop out of school and move in with her. He was, after all, her oldest son, and with her husband dead now, he would have to run the family farm. Isaac absolutely hated everything about farming and didn't want to leave the school. Back at the farm, he felt the shame of failing. With every criticism, he felt rejection again by his mother. A man named Henry Stokes was the headmaster at King's College. He knew that Isaac was exceptionally smart and gifted, and he knew that working on a farm was not what he was meant to do. Henry visited Hannah and persuaded her to allow Isaac to return to school, Isaac wanted to prove himself at the school, and he made sure that in every class he was the number one student. He became pretty popular for creating a sundial for the school and a windmill. By the time he was 17 and finishing school, he was a well-respected student. Although he was well-respected, he still didn't ever find a way to connect with the other students. Isaac was accepted to college in Cambridge. But his family, although able to pay, refused to help him with tuition. They still saw him as a disappointment and failure. They still saw him as a person who didn't succeed at farming and helping to care for the family after his stepfather died. But Isaac was determined to go to Cambridge. So he got a job working as a valet, which is basically a servant. During this time, England was experiencing a better time. The civil war was over and there was a new king on the throne. Things were peaceful, and the young men from the school would spend their weekends and evenings drinking and finding women who were loose. But Isaac spent his time either studying or working as a servant and refused to go out with the other men. In fact, their lifestyle seemed ridiculous to him. During this time in Cambridge, Isaac took theology classes. Although both his uncle and stepfather were clergy, it wasn't until this time in college that Isaac began to really study the Bible. And he fell in love with the Bible and especially prophecy. He saw the Bible as a book that held the history of the world, what was, what is, and what is to come. He also believed that God had put numerical codes into the Bible to help predict specific world events. However, he kept this belief to himself. Inquisitions were still a thing and he didn't want to end up being burned at the stake. In 1664, Isaac was given a scholarship to the school and guaranteed four years of schooling and he no longer had to work as a servant. He met a friend who didn't like to drink with the other students, and they became roommates. That friend would be his lifelong friend, and helped him navigate social situations, and really became his personal secretary. By this time, Galileo's theories about the universe were all accepted as fact, and Isaac was actually taught his theories. Everyone believed the world was round, and everyone believed the earth rotated around the sun. They also believed that the moon was rotating around the planet. But no one could understand what was keeping the moon in the Earth's orbit, or really how the universe was working. They were taught, God does it, and that was all you need to know. For Isaac, this answer was not good enough. It was not that he didn't believe in God, he did. It was that he believed that God created the world in such a way that there was scientific laws that held the universe together. He believed that God wanted people to know how the universe worked that knowing this would help you know more about God and his character. Isaac believed that nothing could be said to be true unless it could be proven with scientific tests or with a mathematical equation. Just when things in his life were starting to go well, a plague hit Cambridge. Every day, thousands of people were dying. This was the last great plague that came through England. In one year, more than 100,000 people died. That was out of a population of just 460,000. That means that around 25% of the people in England died. Just 40 years earlier, a plague had come through and killed 40,000 people. So for the people of England, this was a very huge shock to have another terrible plague like this again. The school shut down and Isaac was forced to return home to the farm. The farm was a safer place for him. The plague mostly stayed in the large cities and those who were able to leave the city for the countryside did so. Isaac decided early on that this time on his farm would not be wasted. He asked God to help him make the most of this time, and this year on the farm would be the year he would later call his year of wonders. This is when the story of Isaac sitting under a tree and getting hit on the head with an apple and discovering gravity comes from, although there's much more to the story than that. On the farm they did have an apple orchard, and Isaac was at the time trying to find a reason as to how the moon was orbiting the earth but still wasn't leaving the Earth's orbit. If everything travels in a straight line, then why was the moon staying so close to the Earth? Walking through the apple orchard, he thought, what if the same thing that pulls apples to the ground is pulling the moon towards the Earth? And that was the start of his theory of gravity. However, he also had thoughts about the rate at which objects fell to the ground. He wanted to find out exactly how to calculate the speed of an object falling at each part of its fall. But the hardest and most advanced math was not able to give him an equation for this. He needed a speed even smaller than zero. So he created a brand new math, calculus, and created the formulas for the law of motion. He also used a novelty toy called a prism to prove that light is not actually white, that what we are seeing is a mix of all the colors, and that it is when the light goes through a prism and the rainbow appears that we are seeing what light truly looks like. By the time Isaac was able to return to school the next year, he had written three papers that changed the world forever. Paper on optics, calculus, and other scientific phenomena. While Isaac was at the farm, a huge fire hit London. 87 churches and more than 13,000 homes were burned to the ground. A king's baker accidentally started a fire, and because there was a windstorm, the fire spread through London very quickly. To make things even worse, Storehouses where cannons were being held caught fire and exploded. By the time Isaac returned to Cambridge, it seemed the world had changed significantly, with 25% of the population gone and 13,000 homes burned to the ground. Perhaps it was this that inspired him to want to break the code he believed was in the Bible. Remember, in his life, there were wars, famines, plagues, great fires, and apostasy, all things predicted in the book of Revelation. The project of Isaac's was kept secret. He never told anyone. He created a mathematical code he believed could not be broken and wrote his thoughts on this topic in that code. Based on the numbers and codes he found in the Bible, he placed the end of the world around 2060. So we're getting closer. After finishing school, Isaac was made a fellow of the Trinity. This was only supposed to go to people who were ordained priests, but an exception was made for him. He was knighted by Queen Anne and became Sir Isaac Newton. He could have, once being part of the fellowship, simply lectured and made a lot of money. But he wanted to know more, prove more, and discover more. In his life he wrote many books, created more mathematical equations, and by the time he died his life work had changed the way we see the world. He is known in history as the father of science. He read a book that had a theory that mercury could be turned into gold and he wanted to find a way to make this work. He believed that something called the Philosopher's Stone could be discovered. This became an obsession for him, one that left him feeling like a failure. He began to work heavily with mercury. Today we know that mercury destroys the brain, but that was not known at his time. Isaac, who had already had a hard time at social gatherings and getting along with people, became more withdrawn over the years. However, he still wrote published books and is even voted into Parliament twice. However, when his mother passed away, he fell into a great depression. He never really recovered from the rejection he felt by his family. Even with all the praise and respect he got from the scientific and math community, he still saw himself as a rejected little boy. His depression became so severe that he was unable to work. He invested his money in a shipping company that went bankrupt, and he lost what would be today... $4 million. This didn't help his depression. After over a year, it was his lifelong friend that helped him get back into science again. But after this time, he began to focus more on the Bible. He wrote tracts for people and spent a lot of time reading the Bible. His niece contracted smallpox and he had her come and stay with him so he could care for her. During this time, a man named Voltaire was speaking and gaining an audience. He was an atheist, and claimed that man had moved past the idea of God, and that God was dead. Although Isaac Newton pushed the scientific community to not use the because God is doing it as a scientific answer, he never believed that it was not God that was keeping the world together. He believed that it was God that created the universe, and that the laws of science were part of that creation, and that it was our duty as followers of Jesus to study and know these laws that God created. When Isaac was old, it was his family that took care of him. His niece that he had cared for became the person who was at his side. She was basically his secretary. To see Isaac meant that you had to go through her, and she would schedule time for you. She loved her uncle dearly. Sir Isaac Newton died in his sleep in London on the 20th of March, 1727. The English poet Alexander Pope wrote this about him. Nature and nature's laws were hid in night. God said, let Newton be, and all was light. Newton himself wrote this in his journal. I do not know what I may appear to the world, but to myself I seem to have only been a little boy playing on the seashore and diverting myself in now and then finding a smoother pebble or a prettier shell than ordinary, whilst the great ocean of truth lay all undiscovered before me. Albert Einstein would later keep a picture of Isaac Newton on his study wall. Recently, the bones of Isaac Newton were tested and found to be full of mercury, so his years of bouts of depression and mood swings were probably all from the mercury in his bones. But it was not until his code was cracked and his secret thoughts were revealed that people learned about his deep obsession with end times and his belief in the numerical code in the Bible. They also learned that when Isaac Newton was studying church history, and specifically the debates between Athanasius and Arius, that he took the side of Arius, who rejected the view of the Trinity. We talked about Arius and Athanasius in episodes 8 and 10. Sir Isaac Newton was a complicated man. His theology was not correct, yet his theology was one he kept hidden away. What he did leave us was the wonder of creation and a way to see science as a way to know more about God. His journals are kept locked away in a library in Israel, and only a few people have ever seen them. And that's the story of Isaac Newton. To hear more of my podcasts or some of my other podcasts, or to listen to some of my videos, check out lauraleesiemens.com, and I'll see you next week.